0: A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, the love of Christ impels us once we have come to the conviction that one died for all, therefore all have died. He indeed died for all, so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Consequently, from now on we regard no one according to the flesh, Even if we once knew Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him so no longer. So whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. And all this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, and given us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors for Christ, as if God were appealing through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. The word of the Lord. Thanks. Thanks be to God. You are my inheritance, O Lord. You are my Lord. Keep me, O God, For in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, My Lord are you, O Lord, my allotted portion and cup. You it is who hold fast my lot. You are my inheritance, O Lord. I bless the Lord who counsels me. Even in the night, my heart exhorts me. I set the Lord ever before me. With him at my right hand, I shall not be disturbed. You will show me the path to life, fullness of joys in your presence, the delights at your right hand forever.
1: Dominus svobiscum,
0: et cum spietuntuo,
1: lexia sancti evangelis secundum lucam,
0: gloria
1: ti homie. As Jesus and his disciples were proceeding on their journey, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus answered him, Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to rest his head. And to another he said, follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. But he answered him, let the dead bury the dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to my family at home. He said no one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what was left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. Verbum in the reading today from Luke that the Son of Man is nowhere to lay his head. That he is detached from this world. he's about the Father's work, the kingdom, and he's calling others to follow him. And this is take precedence over everyone else, over our family, you know, the great duties of even burying the dead. No one who sets his sets a hand to the plow, and looks to what was left behind as fit for the kingdom of God. We speak of of poverty, chastity, obedience as being evangelical counsels for the lay people to be detached from this world, to live a chaste life, to be obedient to the Father. That those are counsels we all live. Religious are called to make vows of these and to live them And their own concrete expression. But for both, the kingdom, Jesus, is at the center. And Paul, in the first reading today, 2 Corinthians 5, talks about this in a beautiful way. And today's passage starts at verse 14, goes to 20. And if you back up the first 14 verses, he has some beautiful expressions that I just want to connect to today's verse that we have that I think are along these same lines, that Jesus is the first, that our lives are not our own, so to speak, that we are to give ourselves completely over to Christ. The old has passed away. So he says, if anyone is in Christ, today we hear, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new one has come. So Jesus is giving us something new, something better than this earthly life. We know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. This earthly tent, the body. So he wants to give us a building, but we're grabbing hold of the tent. I mean, who wants to live in a tent, right? He's offering us the building of God we sigh with anxiety not that we would be unclothed but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life he who has prepared for us for this very thing is god who has given us the spirit as a guarantee sir so our anxiety is not for worldly clothing but to be further clothed that we, that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He's giving us divine life, something much better, something more. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We have good courage because we have this hope that we're destined for God. We can experience that by the spirit that we're given now that, you know, Chesterton spoke with the giant laughter of christian men there we have a hope that is beyond this world we have our eyes on something much more something greater therefore knowing the fear of the lord we persuade men but what we are known but what we are is known to god and i hope it is known also to your conscience but what we are is known to god so that you may be able to answer those who pride themselves on a man's position and not in his heart, not on his heart. So what really matters is how God knows us, how he sees us. That's the the most important thing, and our conscience tells us this. We know if we have sin in our life that we need to repent of, or things that need to be rectified, ways that we need to correct and seek the Lord, and not to not to be proud and just consider a man's position, but to value his heart. Jesus aims at transformation of the heart. He gives us the moral virtues in baptism to transform that heart, that we may live a virtuous life. If you think about it that way, as we go through life, you know, is this, are these things that we're doing, is it cultivating our heart? Is it making our heart a richer one that's more sensitive to human values, that's more focused on the kingdom, not our own selfish pursuits? Are we growing our heart? And then finally, in today's passages we have, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. That's a, a beautiful line that basically that we're, that all have died that we might live no longer for ourselves. As Bishop Barron likes to say, I like this expression that our lives are not our own. Our lives are not our own. We've been given a new life. He is a we're told he is. we are a new creation, a new creature. And this is happening, happening in an extraordinary way in the sacraments, that baptism truly makes us a new creature. It's not just a profession of faith. A real transformation is happening, that we are becoming an adopted son of God, who has become, as Peter says in his letters, a partaker of the divine nature, a sharing in the very nature of God that we're members of Christ, we're co-heirs with him, we become temples of the Holy Spirit. That's completely new, right? To have the Holy Spirit working in us. He gives us sanctifying grace, this very life of God. He gives us theological virtues, enabling us to believe in God, to hope in him, and to love him. Those are... Gifts, and they're human acts, but they're gifts from God that we cooperate with, that we can believe in him, we can have faith, we can hope, trust in him, we can love him. That's called a relationship. (laughs) That we can now have a relationship with God. By his grace, by his gift, he enables and empowers us to do that. That we can have communion with him throughout the day. That we can pray to him. Throughout the day, our lives are to be about glorifying God, and we can offer things in our day to him, we can reflect on our day, how we have or have not glorified him, repent of when we haven't, but it's a a priest recently told me that we were talking about different works and assignments and successes or failures, he said, You know, our lives is just to be about not how much we write or do, but how are we glorifying God? I feel like I can breathe when I hear that, Okay, (laughs) I don't have this pressure bearing down on me like a worldly standard of what we have to do. And as the joke goes, sometimes our lives are just to be a warning to others, right? (laughs) Maybe we're getting into a lot of problems, repenting and beginning again and maybe that'll help our brothers and sisters, but everything can be used uh, for God. The other effect of this new creation that he's giving us power to live and act under the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that so much of our trouble in life is what do we do in this situation? What decision do I make? How do I know what to do? Well, we're given the Holy Spirit to follow his promptings, to grow. or He's giving us power, too, to fulfill those intentions of our heart that we want to do. We all need power. We all have that wrestling of what should we do, then we know the right thing, and then we fail to do it. Again, and again, and again. Have we depended on the Lord? Have we asked him for power, asked him for the strength? He's poured it into our hearts through baptism, confirmation, that grace is increased with every communion we receive, that he's forming our heart. He's giving us good hearts through the moral virtues, especially to be prudent, to be just, to be temperate, to have courage. That's a good heart. If we go through life with those four cardinal virtues, that's a good heart. And we're incorporated into his body. And therefore, therefore we are also sharing in his mission. His mission, the church has a mission that we all share in. And all of this is from God, Paul says today, all of this is from God who through Christ has reconciled us to himself. And not counting our trespasses, It's all from God that he sends his son to die for us for the forgiveness of sins, to rise from the dead, to give us this new life. And then he, Paul says, is entrusting us with this message of reconciliation, that God's reconciling us to himself through Jesus. He's bringing us into communion with him. And then we're called to be ambassadors to Christ with this message of reconciliation that all are called to. That he died for all, we're told today. And this precious truth, this beautiful truth that's contained in Jesus Christ, that's revealed in him, who he is, his sacrifice, but also all his moral teachings, all the way the ways that the church has preserved that we're to live by, all the, the, the commandments of God and the full extent of that in our lives, that saving truth. In First Timothy 2.4, it says, God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And the Catechism, 8.51, commenting on that, says, God wills the salvation of everyone through the knowledge of the truth. Salvation is found in truth. So when people are saying things that aren't true about the faith, it's very discouraging. It's very disheartening because we're saved through knowledge of the truth that we are called to be ambassadors to reconciliation. We are to spread this truth so the big so today is that we're told the first line he died for all so that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised so we may no longer live for ourselves that our lives are not our own and this is rooted in the fact that he died for all of us so we share in that dying with him. He's united himself to all. He's fully God, fully man. He's dying in the flesh. We are called to die with him, that we no longer live for ourselves, but for him. How can we do that? That is completely (laughs) antithetical to our fallen human nature, to our fallen world, and to what Satan tempts us. I was talking to a person recently that's involved in some New Age stuff that's pagan and everything, and she's come back to the faith, and I said, what was at the heart of that teaching? And she said, it was really whatever you wanted it to be. And at the end, it was a whole lot of nothing and a waste of time, she said. Whatever you want it to be. I need something much more than what I can come up with. My plans for life are very small, very self-centered. God is giving us a mission much bigger than ourselves. He's giving us something that I can't even comprehend, really, the extent of it. We need to get out of that self-centered me, me, me world and live for Christ. So that means that we're not focused on our lives. We're seeking His will. We're being about His work, His kingdom, that we've become a new creation sharing the spirit, giving us a new life, that we've come to this conviction that one has died for us. So our lives have been purchased at what a price that no longer belongs to us, we're giving giving something better, something more, through his death. And we share in that dying. And yes, we see in the lives of the saints these big deaths, these martyrdoms, these extreme deprivations, these sacrifices they make. Most of us might live or are called to a life of hidden deaths, that kind of death where you're going to be a peacemaker in a situation that something in me might have to suffer, that I'm going to have compassion towards somebody else, make room for somebody else. I'm going to, as Paul talks about, to bear with one another's faults and weaknesses. It might be a death in our struggle with illness, sometimes a long struggle with illnesses in our life, or all kinds of loss that we can suffer, abandonments, sacrificing things, for others, sacrificing things that maybe the other people don't really realize what it means to us. And then I think the biggest one maybe is just letting go of ourselves, our way of doing it, our goals, how we want to see this whole thing move forward. To let that go, to turn it over to the Lord, to follow him. Then we can receive a new life. Some of us too might be fighting. And they have, I've heard people talk about the analogy just when a soldier surrenders, he's got to put the weapon down. Put his hands behind his head, just put the weapon down. Surrender to God. Let's do it his way. Let's move the ball forward in my own battle with sin. With those deaths, those letting goes, we can receive this new life that Jesus wants to give us.